So chapter 13, we briefly started last time. Uh, the beginning of the chapter talks about being subject to government. And uh, how, do you, how do you see this in the picture of the book? I mean, we're going along, we've been talking about the Jews and the Gentiles and the sin and how it's universal and that everybody needs Jesus. And then we get to chapter 13 and bam, he jumps gears and says, all right, I now need y'all to obey the government. Somebody put this together because I don't think he just jumped gears and went to a totally different subject. So how does it relate? What is it related to? The entire picture? Uh, or what? Any thoughts? Anybody want to help put these together for us? Or just some general uh, observations of the book up to this point and how this might, might fit and apply? Thoughts? Yes? He didn't die for us to have a chance to revolt against the government. That wasn't, that's not the mission. That's not the point. That's not our mission. Okay, so maybe one of the things Paul's saying is look, all this didn't happen just so that you can promote your own political party. Something like that? Yes. And they were being ruled by Romans. Um, and that wasn't a thing that the Jews liked. Um, and they had thought Jesus had come to save them from the Romans. Um, and the, a lot of them were disappointed. Um, and so he's saying, no matter what the government is like, you need to subject yourself to it. Okay, we're going to talk about that some more. I like that point. Good, good thoughts. Yes, please. Well, it's just kind of interesting. I like to, like, when there seems to be something kind of weird there to go back and get out what's in front of it. And it's interesting. He's talking about don't repay evil for evil, um, love your enemies, that type of thing. So I'm wondering if it's addressing a little bit like with the government is evil or when the government seems to be your enemy. Okay. Yeah, point there, that evil thing, we'll talk about that in, in a moment, but that word I think is kind of helpful to key here. Yes? One, bring the living sacrifice that we mentioned before. Okay. Jesus gave himself willingly uh, he was innocent. And we're, we're expected to see that type of persecution from governments that typically comes from government. Um, <coughs> if you apply that to yourself, the tendency is going to want to pick up arms and defend yourself. And Jesus was a clear example not to do that. And I don't know if that's tying it together, but it would be really obvious to defend yourself if in persecution. And we're not necessarily called to do that. Okay. Yeah, so I can see when we talk about that, uh, the sacrifice Making a distinction here, this is a different type of thing with the government. Uh, other thoughts, this, what about this idea of the evil? What, what was chapter 12 telling us about the evil? What, what do you do with evil? 
or what you say about it or other things over here uh, to Brad. Uh, so toward the end of that chapter also mentions, you know, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Abhor what is evil. Abhor what is evil. So he's definitely, in, in chapter 12, he's definitely talking about dealing with some evil things, right? And some ways to do that. He's talking to, I think, individuals, Christians, and the latter part of that, you know, never pay back the evil with the, uh, for evil. Uh, respect what is right, you know, as possible depends on you. Uh, leave room for the wrath. You know, you're not to take care of that. And then goes on into chapter 13. And does it mention the wrath again? The government? And let every person be in subjection to the government, the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, he who resists authority is opposed the ordinance of God. And they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger, who brings wrath upon the one who practices evil. So the connection here is following this chapter 12. He just gave us a bunch of instructions on how to live, things to do among ourselves, I think, and dealing with one another. And then goes right into this, all right, what's that look like? Living in this world. What kind of world did... The Romans live in. We mentioned. <laughs> Who was the ruler? Nero. And he was a pretty good guy, wasn't he? So, so you could argue that Paul was saying as long as you have a good uh, government like he did, like they did there in Rome, that it's, that it's okay to follow the government. Now, it wasn't the greatest. It might not have been the worst at that point that it was written, but it, it got worse. You know, cheer up, things could be worse. You know, things could get worse. It's like, so I cheered up, and they did. <laughs> it got worse. Um, so what about this idea? I mean, I think sometimes we have the impression that 
okay, we need to follow the government as long as the government's doing the right thing. How does, how does that work out? What, what becomes of that? Yes. Well, this passage and First Peter 2 emphasizes our responsibilities to submit. Same time, Jesus said, when it was Caesar, what belongs to Caesar, and God, what belongs to God. Mm -hmm. Same government that is described in Romans 13 as a minister of God is described in Revelation 13 as the beast from the sea. Okay. We're called to submit. And we may submit in things we don't like, but there are cases of civil disobedience in the Bible, Old Testament and New, where people disobey because it was a question of God or government. For example, in Acts 4 and 5, the New Testament examples you see the apostles and their circumstances. So it's um, it is a both are both are yeah, so I mean, what, what is the, what's the uh, exception? What's the caveat? What's the, you know, what do we, you know, if we read the very first verse, let every person be in subjection to the governing authorities, period, blanket statement, end of discussion, no exceptions. Right, so if we only follow the government when the government does what we like, are we following the government? Not at all. You're doing what you like. Uh, like the, the, the story of the, the sons when one he was told to go do something and he said no, and then the other one was told, or then, but then later when he did it, and then the other one was told to do something and he said, yes, I will, but then he didn't. So which one... You know, which one did it, which one obeyed. Uh, so it's, it's the thing with the, it's, it's what you actually, I mean, there is no submission if you're doing what you want. There is no submission to the government if you only do what you agree with. So if you had a government and I agree with everything they did, there would be no proof of submission. There'd be no way to prove it. So would that apply with any other um, other type of authority or other type of organization? So what if we use that principle in the family? Honor your father and mother. Well, as long as, as long as I agree with what they're saying, you know. Can you imagine kids? Yep, as long as they give me candy for supper, and then they stay up late, play video games, then I'll submit. But the moment they want to do something I don't agree with, then I want it my way. It's like, well, then they're very bad. I don't need to submit to them. So we could decide that way. What would be another example? Any type of authority, the church, the church, uh, your work, 
you submit to those things? Is there submission or is it, I just happen to agree with them? So in the church, we could do that by looking. I'm going to search until I find a church that's doing everything that I want it to do. And the moment they quit doing everything I want to do, I'm going to go look for another one that's doing exactly what I'm doing. Because then I can submit, right? Because then, that's not submission. That's finding a church that's doing exactly what I want to do. (laughs) Other thoughts, comments on that? So you see how this is tied in then to the last chapter about the evil. What, how do we deal with evil amongst ourselves, amongst Christians, one another, um, one-on-one type of thing? That's chapter 12. How does the government help deal with evil? Well, it says the government you know, bears the sword. What would they bear a sword for? Yeah, what do you do with what do you do with a sword? I think it's pretty obvious what it's talking about there. The government is given that authority to dole out punishment with a sword. So we may we may not like what the government does. And we have certainly talked already about some exceptions about following the government, which would be when the government is requiring you to do something contrary to what God is requiring you to do. And do you have any, can you think of any examples of that? I think we mentioned the one in Acts. Okay, example of the parent, uh, and then example of the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego with the government. Also, Daniel, same same type of thing. Um, so, doing, submitting to that to the point that you can, and doing what you can to to uh, follow that. So we recognize this doesn't apply only to good governments. So we mentioned at the end of last class, what's the best type of government? I mean, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? What's the best kind? Well, ours. <laughs> and you probably ask anyone in the world, what's the best kind? Well, ours. Um, so what about uh, rebellion against the government? When is that appropriate? When is
unfaithful to God that, that he has set it up this way. And we may not agree, but we see in a very, you know, small amount of time as opposed to God. And if he's setting these people up, he's setting them up. Okay. Yes. Um, I look back to this chapter one when it comes to rebelling against the government of the midwives. Um, we're told to kill all the boys and they downright lied to the Egyptians when they came and told them why are you killing all the boys? Uh, and the verses in there say that God had dealt, with, dealt well with them for the way that they interacted with the Egyptians. Okay. Other thoughts? So what do you think about our country and the uh, our history? And how we think about it. Well, I'm grateful I grew up in this country and its freedoms, but I don't see anywhere, even with the midwives and everything, anywhere in the Bible where it says to promote and overthrow the government. I mean, there may come a time when you say, I personally cannot do what the government is telling me to do because it is not God's law. But I don't see anywhere where it says promote overthrowing it or rebel against it. Right. So the midwife thing may have been a more specific thing. That was an evil thing that the government wanted. And they rebelled, I guess, in a way by not doing that. But correct. Yes. I don't know that the midwife is a another example of civil disobedience. This is more the question that you are asking at first, tying this in with the big purpose of the book. But the term wrath is used both in verse 4 and verse 5 about how the government executes wrath. And, and I apologize for this, but if you follow the dot, in 118, the Bible talked about God's present wrath against sin. Mm-hmm. Romans 2 5 and Romans 2 8 talked about God's future wrath against in the day of judgment. And then Romans 5 9 talks about how Jesus saves us from the wrath of God. All of these same word you see. What does it tell us? When government is properly exercising its function to punish the wrongdoer. It is a reflection of God's present wrath against sin and God's coming wrath in the day of judgment. And it's a picture of the wrath from which Jesus saves us. Okay. So it does fit in to the big purpose of the The difference being Jesus or God's wrath or judgment is perfect. Whereas the government being is an example, yeah. But it is a it is like almost any other shadow or prophecy or example in the Bible of imperfect people carrying out what God has said as a perfect plan. Kind of the point I was making with the family. Is there a perfect family? Well, there's going to always be sin and failures and that. So at some point, do you do all the kids leave? It's like, I don't even have this family. Yeah, we'll find another one that's more perfect. Is there a perfect church? Or do we jump around to a different one and find one that's more perfect? 
and which, which is possible until you get there. So it's the same thing. The government, in general, this is the purpose. God has set this up as an example of dealing with, you know, dealing wrath to punish evil. Now, is that the way it always works? Absolutely not. Just like with the family or with the church. It's not the way it always works. But God's going to, in the end, deal with evil, with his wrath, and it will be a perfect judgment. Other thoughts? So we mentioned some other, I mean, there are other passages dealing with this that all very similar. Titus uh, 3 and verse 1, remind them to be in subject to rulers and to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be uncontentious, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. Where was, uh, where was Titus when he was writing this? In Crete? And what kind of government did they have in Crete? Um, apparently it was not a very good place, probably worse than Rome. And he's telling him, remind them to be subject to rulers and to authorities, to be obedient. Be ready for every good deed. What about this uh, to malign no one? I don't know what other words might be used there. Um, So this brings up the next subject about the government. How are we to deal or view or uh, Jesse right there? Please deal with the government. to malign no one. So if the government's doing bad things, I want to silence. And anybody say anything about that? So can we can we can we oppose or be opposed to government policies? Yeah, I think so. So is there
Right, so you should mention John the Baptist that pointed out Herod's marriage problems. Was that like, you know, I don't know what Herod did to do that, made a decree. It's like, it's legal for me to be married <laughs> to whomever I desire. And, well, you oppose that now. John said that's not lawful. So, what, what's, the, what's the consideration then? I mean, we have our political parties, and we're, you know, pretty, usually as Americans, we're pretty uh, set on one way or the other. And can we oppose the policies? What's the line that we're looking at, or what should we be uh, conscious of as we discuss those things? We're in a unique position in this world to have a government that facilitates the ability for its people to freely express their opinions regarding how the government is run. It's the mechanism for disagreement and agreement to be had is built into the way our government is designed. So there's a sense in which even if we disagree with it, that's part of the way the government is designed to function. So we're still subject to the government and the laws and all those things, but the law also gives us the ability to express dissatisfaction and new ideas and push for change. Right. So, yes, I mean, we can talk about differences or express those, and our government allows that. Either. Yes. Going to the Titus 3 that you brought up, mine in the ESV says to seek evil of no one, to avoid quarreling. And I think that really comes into play on speaking maybe political differences as long as we're not um, trash talking and causing problems and, and causing fighting. We may have difference in opinion, but we can still respect the person, not the idea. Okay. Yes. Yes, make it individual on how we can uh, fit together. Yes, yes.
caught up in this uh, patriotic thing and rah-rah our country, rah-rah our party, and we need to make changes, you know, to fit, fit back. Well, that's what, what they say is kind of along the line of what I was thinking is why do we get sometimes so involved in the government or in politics? We are in a unique situation that we do get a voice, but once we speak our mind or give our voice, is that all we've done? Can we move on? Because what is our focus? Where is our citizenship? Um, and sometimes I think when we worry about politics or we focus on it so much, we forget that we're not reliant upon it. That's no politician, no side of politics is going to save us. Um, we're not, our citizenship is not here. Um, and that's not what our main focus is. And it's so easy, so easy to get caught up in, well, this bad thing could happen if I don't focus on this or on that. Um, but that's not our citizenship. And that's not, we're not dependent upon the politics. Correct. Thank you. 
Keep civil in civil disobedience. Another thing, and some of the points that were made, like Sarah was saying, this our, our salvation is not going to come through government. Uh, the salvation of this country is not going to come through government. If it comes, it's going to come through people like people like us, people like the apostles, and people like uh, the Christians throughout history that were doing the right thing and. People were seeing Jesus in those people, and Jesus is the one that saves them. If we think that, oh, well, we have to get our party in power because the country is just falling apart, and if we don't get any power, I mean, you know, we need to get some morality in the in power or in the government. That that's not the plan. God didn't come and set that up and and say, Here, here's my plan for salvation. you got to work really hard. And if you get a really good leader in the country, you will save all kinds of people. You know, he gives us some pretty good instruction on how to let that light shine to bring people to Jesus. And those instructions don't include overthrow. They don't include political parties or the right presidents. I don't have any problem with voting for the best candidate. But as you see, which, which one's the best candidate? Go ahead. I guess I'm just trying to push this to its limits. Like, is there never a point where we would rebel? What about you know, the Hitlers of the world? You know, where they're just killing people in the streets. Is there ever a point where we can rebel and it is righteous? Is there ever a point that it would be right or righteous to rebel against the government? I mean, look at the government they were under. I don't, I don't think... I'm going to use the word God doesn't care. So you understand what I mean? God doesn't care what kind of government people are under. The, the places that Paul wrote to and the places that he went... Uh, you know, under this, a lot of it was the Roman Empire, but we have other uh, local-type governments and different things that were going on in different places. And there was never a, a reference or, you know, anything said about, well, you know, don't move into that area of the country because of this type of government, or, uh, you know, you, you, can't, you can't be a Christian there. It's like, do the right thing in whatever situation that you're in. So I guess, um, I guess I would ask then what do you mean by rebel against the government? Because I think that's what we mean when we say civil disobedience. We're saying, hey, if people are mounting up uh, people and taking them to gas chambers and we rebel against the government and hide those people in our basement um, or we don't, we're a midwife and we don't kill the babies. That's rebelling against the government. And okay. that is doing God's will. So I think, I think that is. Fair enough. Um, I think good, the, the good explanation, uh, whoever said it, uh, I think they said through the macro or the micro, like macro level, when I'm trying to uh, do a mutiny of the government and kill, murder all of the uh, leadership. Um, because at a micro level, like we, we're not 
in verse 5, Wherefore it is necessary to be in sub, uh, subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this you also pay taxes. For rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Rulers are servants of God, whether they know it or not. Right? They may not know it. Yes. I think that's where we need to remember to the context of this and what Paul is telling these people. He's getting around to their need and how it's taken care of and now here's some things, practical things, way to conduct yourselves. 
And he's going to get into more about how, how the two of these need to get along with each other even more. But right now it's in general. Okay, you guys do this individually, do this with the government, and then, even later, latter part of this chapter, we'll talk about, all right, now you Jews and you Gentiles, still got a little problem here. We haven't worked out every detail yet. We're going to talk about that as well. Um, talking about uh, the rulers not knowing that they're placed there by God. Remember when Pilate was talking to Jesus, you know, don't you know that I have authority? And Jesus said, yes, I recognize that you have authority. But it's only because God gave it to you. So, our rulers are only there because God has allowed that or chosen that. For because of this you also pay taxes for rulers and servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing, rendered to all what is due to them. Tax to whom taxes due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. Pay those things. Okay? Render those things to those people. And, verse 8, owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. I don't know how tightly those are connected there, but that's certainly render these things, pay these things, you owe these things. Then it says, owe nothing to anyone. And I really think this is the idea of pay what you owe. It's not saying that we never borrow. There's all of us who have to give up our houses and our cars. And there are things in the Bible, examples that would even say that. I mean, Paul said, you know, if he owes you anything, which I mean, it's charging to my account as if he had one already or he would set up one to where he would owe it to him. So I don't say, so I don't know that we use that in the same way that you might use it today. I owe nothing. I've got everything paid off. No, I pay my debts. I don't, I'm not past due. I think that may even fit with that idea. Render to all those what's due them. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this, and he lists some laws. And think how each one of these is because of love for your neighbor. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. If there's any other commandment, it's summed up in the saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. And this do, knowing the time, that it is already the hour for you, for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is near to, uh, nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone, and the day is at hand. Let us therefore lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. So what about this idea that day is at hand? The night is almost gone, the day is at hand. Let us therefore lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. I think this comes from the idea that Isaiah uh, 59 and 60, I believe it is, where it talks about Jesus is coming and he's going to be 
bearing and wearing all of these uh, pieces of armor, and he is coming in to bring the light into the dark world. And that's kind of the idea that Paul is using here. Do you know what time it is? Time to get busy. It's time to be doing the right thing. It's time to be putting on that armor of light and behave properly as in the day. Not things that would normally be associated with darkness, which is some of the sins that he talks about there. So this kind of sums up these ideas and how, uh, how to deal with one another, how to deal with uh, different situations. And the key, the conclusion he comes to, it's love. Deal with these things in love. So, how do you view that? Somebody's doing something that I don't like, it's like, I'll just love them. You know, oh, just give me a hug and everything Well, I think our culture's idea of love is just completely the opposite of what we see here. Love is following your heart, doing what makes you happy. Um, this is a list of self-control things. This is a list of what you make sure you are looking out for other people. This doesn't really have anything to do with me. Okay. Yes. Love your neighbor as yourself is different than the way love is defined today and the way that we like to look at it. Yes? Um, so God can tell us what's in the government so we say, woo, I agree with everything I say or whatever because um, he knows how wicked people can be and he knows that like, no matter how good this country is now, it's still started on killing, murder, and raping and everything like that. But it's because God told us to that we should listen I forget what Bible verse it was, but where it said that we should stand up for the rights of the homeless people in Isaiah, when it says stand up for the fatherless and the widows and everything. There's still places that, since there are people that can't be so bad, we guess we're trying to light in a good way, even if it's people that we're supposed to um, respect and listen to. Right, which, which these things would be summed up. You know, I like the way he lists some of these laws, some of these Ten Commandments, if you will. He revisits those. And those are acted out, or you act that way because of love. I don't steal from somebody. Do you love the person that you're stealing from? You're not showing any type of love. These other things the same way. And he says, if there's any other commandment, so that type of thing. Or if there are other things that we need to be doing, if we love... We'll be following those as well. Thank you very much.